0: The biggest question I feel like people ask is, are kids really affected by COVID? You know, do my, does my kid really even need this vaccine because are kids really even affected by COVID? And I think looking at the last year and a half, I think the answer kind of unequivocally is yes. The problem is, is looking at the numbers, it's probably about 90% that they're going to be fine, but the other 10% will get long-haul COVID or miss c after COVID or be hospitalized or, you know, even die from it.
1: This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to spend some time with you thinking mostly about kids today. We're going to start with a conversation about book bannings in schools across the country. We are going to then talk about the decision to vaccinate children in that 5 to 11 category. We've brought in an expert, Dr. Amanda Dropic. She's a pediatrician. She put her own children in the Pfizer vaccine trial. So she's going to talk to us about why she felt comfortable doing that, what that experience has been like, and her assessment of the safety of vaccinations that are available right now. And then outside of politics, we're going to talk about The Eternals and Dune. Just dive right into the sci-fi genre. Before we get started, if you find today's episode valuable after you listen, it would mean a lot to us if you shared it with your people. We know that many families are struggling through conversations about vaccines for that 5 to 11 group, for example, and we really think this conversation with Dr. Dropik is going to be helpful. So we just love and appreciate every time you share on social media when you talk about it with people in your lives. Apple Podcast now has that amazing feature where if you text the episode to someone, it will appear in their Listen Now tab because you've shared Mm -hmm. it. So we hope you'll take advantage of that. And thank you so much for that support.
3: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year. I was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head. Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of made my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with Pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good. Because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see, after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for this season, that I have nice looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com pantsuit. So go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit.
1: Traditionally, financial planning advice is either only for those who are already wealthy or salespeople calling themselves financial advisors who say they'll give you free financial advice, but really just sell products to earn commissions. Fearless Finance takes a dramatic departure from either of those traditional models. Their entire business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable because we know that financial literacy, stress reduction, and financial security are critical to overall well-being. I'm a little bit obsessed with Elizabeth, our Fearless Finance advisor. I've had an array of advisors in the past who answered questions like, should we be spending less on this? With evasive answers like, it depends on your priorities. Not Elizabeth. She answers with actually helpful guidelines you're spending more than the average family of five, or I'd like to see this increase by 6%. Uh, thank you. This is Fearless Finance's mission, to make advice affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually and they charge you by the hour. You only pay for the time you use down to a quarter hour. Their planners meet with you where you are on your financial journey, no judgment. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code pantsuit. That's fearlessfinance.com and use code pantsuit for $50 off your first planning meeting.
2: Sarah, for the nightly nuance this week, I looked at what was happening in Spotsylvania, Virginia. And the short version of that story is that two parents showed up angry at a school board meeting about books in their high school son's library. And they got themselves and the board so riled up that without any discussion or a proper agenda item or real investigation and opportunity to talk with. I don't know the the school the librarians involved the board unanimously voted to rid the school libraries of sexually explicit content and this conversation involved two board members endorsing the idea of burning books one of them later walked that comment back and it all got walked back because then the community showed up and said quite loudly this is not who we want to be we cannot be talking about banning books in America in 2021 and also we already have a process for parents to complain if they don't like books their kids are reading at school. Use the process. But we should not go on this massive purging endeavor. But lots of people, especially who work in schools and who are librarians, have reached out to tell us that this is of concern to them, that it is of growing concern to them. And you've looked at a situation in Texas that involves this issue as well.
1: Yeah, there's a state rep there who's Just so happens, like just totally coincidentally, happens to be running for state attorney general. And he put forward a list of like 850 books that that he's going to launch an investigation for. It seems mostly like a campaign technique, but there's reports from the American Library Association that book banning and local school boards investigating books or removing books from the library is at an all-time high. There was a really great Time magazine article we'll link to in the show notes um, where the head of the L.A. was like, I've never seen it this high. And another expert on on book banning says it just reflects the anxiety of society. So these the books being banned often are about race. Not surprising, considering the fevered pitch of conversation about critical race theory. They often involve narratives revolving around non-binary people or transgender people. And so the list is not surprising. I think what is concerning is that, you know, you have Glenn Youngkin being like, education's the best. It used to be ninth. Now it's our thing. So now that people have figured out, and by people I mean Republicans, that, oh, well, this is a hot issue. This is of concern. People have anxiety about this. This is this is going to be a good campaign issue. Unfortunately, I think we'll see more conversations around book banning.
2: I used to be a Republican, and this is a topic that makes me feel like I was kind of taken for a ride, <laughs> one of many topics Mm. that I feel that way about, but I feel particularly duped, I think, when we have conversations like this, because my understanding of being a Republican meant that we are in our families responsible for how we discuss the world and how we form values around the world and how we express those values. And so I fully support policies that enable families to show up at schools and say, I have concerns about this particular book for my student. Let's work through those concerns about my student. I do not understand parents showing up at a school board meeting and saying, because of the values that we have in my family, I object to these books for all students, Mm -hmm. that these books should not exist in the imaginations of all students because of what we think in our house. Yeah, that crosses such a big line to me and is the opposite of what I believed conservatism was about. It's really hard to take in. And the other piece that I bring to this, and I say this a lot when we're out on college campuses um, talking with students or when we're at community engagements, I just don't want to be afraid of an idea. Like, I don't want to be afraid of a book, no matter what's in the book. And as a parent, I want whatever's in the book to be something that my kids talk to me about and that we sort through and that it's an opportunity for all of us to learn, even if what we're learning is we super don't agree with this book. (laughs) This book is not where we are. I want to have that conversation. I don't understand wanting to actually remove from the shelf anything that is challenging or uncomfortable or even
1: that's hostile to where I am. Yeah, that's what's so frustrating to me. It's not like these books are being required or required reading. They literally just like searched the library and said, Oh, I don't like the I don't like the summary analysis of this book. Get it out of here. I can't fathom that mindset. You know, I'm real, I'm real loosey-goosey about books <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> there is there is very little that I would tell my son. I mean, even my twelve year old, you cannot read that. I was reading adult books in high school. I think it's like one of the best ways to let your kid sort of explore some tough adult topics. Remember when Go Ask Alice, Everybody's reading Go Ask Alice. Ooh, I still remember reading that book. Because it, to me, it's, it's one of the safest ways, right? To sort of broach these topics or to let them to explore adult topics. And I mean, if I'm, I'm giving all the grace in the world, I do understand that on the other side of the aisle, there is the sense that we're already outnumbered. The culture is already going in a direction that we do not like, that is either opposed to our family values or our religious values. I imagine it feels much like the way I talk about advertising, right? When I talk about, like, I love that moment in Super Size Me where he says, if you sat down with your kids at every meal and talked about nutrition, you'd still be 50,000 messages or whatever behind McDonald's. And I know they feel that way. I know they feel like... We have to fight it in music. We have to fight it in movies. We have to fight it in TV and advertising. We should not have to fight it at school, especially even though that's not the case here with required reading. But to me, it's like you're not because they're trying to just remove them from the shelves completely like no access. There's just a part of me that wants to think like I can get there. I can empathize with how you feel overwhelmed, even though I vehemently disagree with you. But, like, do you really think pulling material off a high school library bookshelf is going to keep that away? Don't you really think it's just going to, oh, I don't know, flag interesting material for your kids that might be interested in rebelling? But I think the truth is, like, there's no rational basis for this with regards to access, right? Like, it's really not about access. It's about taking a public stand, It's about asserting your values in a public way, feeling like you're pushing back against all the other public ways your kids take in values you're opposed to. And this is your chance to assert in a public way what you're opposed to. It's
2: kind of another way, though, that that symbolic stance, which sounds fine, right? It sounds like that's part of living in a, a democracy, really shifts the burden to other people who have. Fewer advantages in life. So I'm thinking about the fact that I went to a school board meeting after our school board had seemed to kind of cave to pressure in the community not to have a mask mandate for this school year. At the next board meeting, the community comes out and all of the people who are not culture warriors spoke out about the importance of having kids mask until a vaccine was available. And all of those folks at previous meetings who had held the microphone talking about liberty and freedom caused people who have had children die Mm -hmm. to have to show up at a school board meeting and recount that experience. And people who had children who were struggling with long-haul COVID symptoms to have to show up at a school board meeting and recount those experiences. And we're seeing that around books now because – Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so who show up very upset about what their son might be exposed to from these books, and to your point, as though those books are his first exposure to any of these ideas. But putting that aside, they're upset about what he was exposed to, causes librarians, students, parents, community members to have to show up and recount the situation where a book saved someone's life because the book affirmed something for them, that had not been affirmed before or the book spoke to a painful experience that they needed someone to speak into. And at the local level, I fully understand that people have discomfort about some of what is taught in schools. And I think there are plenty of forums where we can and should discuss that. But I would like us to discuss that with some conscientiousness for how we shift that burden. Like, I don't think somebody who has been Struggling with suicidal thoughts should have to say that in a school board meeting to convince everybody that a book is appropriate content to keep on the shelf. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think symbolic stances create tunnel vision. You're only thinking about how they impact you and your child. And you're not thinking about what's the impact on vulnerable teenagers of different identities than mine when I stand up and say, This is offensive to me. Who you are is offensive to me. Having merely a book written about your life experience is offensive to me. You know, I'm glad that they rolled this back, but the impact is the same. Every time we have this conversation, it's the impact. It's another drop in the bucket of how you are is wrong. What your life experience is, is wrong. And that has impact. And, I, you know, what? what's frustrating to me is I'm reading all these stories at the same time I'm getting text messages from my friend in a neighboring school district that their high school is like in crisis mode over Yik Yak, the stupid app they brought back, even though we took it away because it's a terrible idea to be able to allow people to post anonymously on a board in a five mile radius. Oh, man, what could possibly go wrong? And, you know, some of the same people who would be offended by these books will defend their kids' rights to post nasty, terrible things on these message boards. There is a Venn diagram here, I am confident. There is an overlap of, like, protect my child, but also my child can do whatever they want. Ah, It's just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating. It's hard not to get in a, like... Humanity is the worst. And I try not to be like that, especially with teenagers. And truly, I'm not mad at the teenagers because teenagers can't process actions and consequences. (laughs) I won't get on my soapbox again about how teenagers aren't grown, but like their parents are and there just seems to be this privileged, partnered with defensiveness, this like just overall attitude of entitlement that I am entitled to never be uncomfortable. And also, if I make other people uncomfortable, too bad. One of
2: the school board members from Spotsylvania, who suggested that books be burned and then walked that back, said, look, I just think that any book with sexually explicit content ought to be donated to community libraries. And schools should stick to the basics. Schools should stick to math and science and history. (laughs) And I think it is important to explore that for a few minutes in our conversations that we have with people in our lives, because you hear a ton of that when you start talking about things like diversity, equity, inclusion.
1: I just think schools should stick to the basics. While they're battling devious licks, toilets being removed, and social media apps that require bullying, and sexual harassment and sexual assault but yeah just stick to the basics it's fine
2: well this is the thing like some of these books that people find so very offensive are books that contain the life experience of students who are Mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness or students who have parents who are suffering from addiction or students who are being sexually abused. Like, we don't want any of that to be the reality, but wishing it weren't the reality doesn't make it so. What schools have to do to be able to keep students safe and able to be educated, not only educated, but able to be educated, necessarily touches on things outside of whatever you deem the basics of American education to look like. And also, we have public education in this country not to make sure everybody gets certain algebra skills. We have it to develop an informed citizenry to continue to care for our democracy. It is a bigger scope than what people say when they say school's What people mean, I think, when they say schools should stick to the basics. Do I think that in some school systems, probably some of these issues are being pressed in a way that feels wrong to me? Maybe. But again, there are mechanisms to have those conversations at the local level. Nationalizing this to the point of people being empowered to walk into school board meetings and demand that books be banned. That is a bad road for all of us. We are curious about your thoughts on this topic. As always, you can send us an email at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com or comment on social media. We appreciate everyone's engagement in these difficult discussions. And up next, we're just going to move right into another difficult discussion and talk about kids and vaccines with Dr. Amanda Dropik.
3: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My son
4: Oliver is almost two. The desire for more hours in the day has never been more real for me in my life an extra hour for reading, for sleeping, for working, for playing. I could use any of it. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to then make it a priority. Therapy can help you figure that out, help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. Just last week, my mom actually asked me about my experience with BetterHelp after hearing ads like this one for it. And I'm telling you what I told her. BetterHelp was the perfect solution for me in a time of my life when I had too many plates to juggle, but still very much needed to talk to someone about the experience of keeping all those plates in the air. BetterHelp made therapy easy and accessible right when those were qualities I needed most. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a very brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit.
1: Phones for everything at this point, but did you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A slash pantsuit. DipsyStories dot slash pantsuit.
2: Dropick earned her undergraduate degree from the University of Kentucky and attended medical school at the University of Louisville. She works at Primary Pediatrics of Kentucky in Florence, Kentucky, and we found her to be so helpful in a conversation about kids and vaccines. Dr. Dropik, thank you so much for spending time with us when I know you. And every pediatrician across the country Mm -hmm. is very, very busy. We wanted to spend some time with you as vaccinations are available for the 5 to 11 category, because we know that we have listeners who have done a lot of thinking about vaccines for themselves and maybe for their older children, but are finding that either they or someone in their house dads have a different level of comfort about the 5 to 11 set. And so we'd love to just start by hearing what are the questions that are making their way into your office and what would you tell parents who are feeling hesitant in a way
1: maybe they didn't for themselves about the vaccine? I also want to know how many vaccines you've given since what, Saturday? So we're a smaller practice. So we've
0: given probably 200 vaccines, not as many as some of the bigger practices, just first because of staffing, just hard to get an extra nurse here to do the vaccines. And again, it's been, it's, it's nice to be able to offer it at our practice, just because we do have some of those kids who are scared Mm -hmm. and we know we, my, my nurses know how to give shots. They know how to handle needle phobia. Mm -hmm it's nicer than being able to go to, you know, Walgreens or or Kroger, although they have the same vaccine there. But again, if you've got a kid who's, who's nervous or scared, it's nice to be able to go to your pediatrician. The biggest question I feel like people ask is are kids really affected by COVID, you know, do my, does my kid really even need this vaccine because our kids really even affected by COVID. And I think looking at the last year and a half, I think the, Answer kind of unequivocally is yes. And you'll get people who will go, Oh, but for kids, the, you know, it's 99.5% that, you know, your kid's not going to die or be hospitalized with it. And the problem is, is looking at the numbers, it's probably about, probably a little bit about 90% that they're going to be fine, but the other 10% will get long haul COVID or miss C after COVID or be hospitalized or, you know, even die from it. And if your kid's one of those 10%, what do you say to yourself? Mm-hmm. Cuz that's what we get a lot of parents who come in who go, "Oh gosh, you know, they've got COVID, what do you do?" And there is nothing to do for kids. Unfortunately, n- there is no monoclonal antibody. Oh wow. In, you know, in, unless they're high risk and even then it's not really approved under 12 right now. So And I'm assuming same for the viral pill? Yes. There's yeah, there is there is there is no treatment for COVID right now for for children. You know, if they get hospitalized, they'll try steroids. You know, obviously oxygen and um, uh, vent if they need it. But uh, you really want your kid being in that situation, you know, where you go, oh gosh, there was something I could have done to prevent this, and I didn't. Looking at the safety and the efficacy of the vaccine, it it works well and it's very safe. <laughs> if you actually look at the numbers, the funniest thing to me was there were five serious adverse events. None of them had anything to do with the actual vaccine. One was a kid who swallowed a penny because, you know, they're five-year-olds and that's what they do. What
1: is that? How did that get registered as an adverse event?
0: They have to register everything. Oh, just because it happened after the vaccine.
1: Oh.
0: So literally, so people don't really understand. This is is a two-year study. So when I enrolled my kids, we still every week... Have to register any symptoms. So every week we have to log in and say, "Yep, we're having no symptoms; everything's fine." Or if they have a fever, or congestion, cough, anything like that, we have to swab them and send a swab down. So these are actually two-year studies that they're followed for. So yeah, so they registered everything. So three kids broke bones um, to, again because if they're they're five to eleven-year-olds, and it's the summer, right? Yeah. They're outside, so they have to register everything. So, but looking at the at the actual side effects from the vaccine. You know, about 48% of kids will get fatigued, you know, about a quarter of them will get a headache. Um, my youngest had a fever, which she was eight, she, she, she had a fever for a day, but no long-term serious side effects. And I think that's what, if you look, if you know anything about mRNA vaccines, they, they're not in your body long, mm-hmm. the way that the body breaks them down, there are, there is no potential for long-term side effects. So that's the biggest, another big question. Oh, what's going to happen in a couple of years? Nothing, first of all. Right. Like it's one of those, like, that's not how science works. And again, what's gonna happen if your kid gets COVID in the meantime and you could have prevented it? Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And I think for for a lot of people, getting the vaccine is active, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to go get the vaccine. So you have to choose that's a choice that you make to go get it not getting the vaccine, and kind of let's see what happens if we get COVID, that's a passive choice. You don't have to do anything there. So there's no work required. But then when you get COVID, a lot of people do fine with it. But if you're one of the people who end up not doing fine with it, and it could have been prevented, that's what's kind of horrible. And you see those stories all the time about, you know, pregnant women who didn't get the vaccine and die, or moms who or, or, or dads who didn't get the vaccine and leave behind
1: four children, both parents die yeah. and you read those stories and you go, gosh, That could have been preventable. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this in passing, but your ears have probably been burning. I've been talking about you ever since our mutual friend, Holly, spoke of her pediatrician that signed all four of her kids up for the vaccine trial. I've used you so many times in conversations. I'm like, my friend's pediatrician? Pediatrician, this is her expertise. And she signed her four children up for the trial. Just think about how comfortable she must be with both the efficacy and the safety of this vaccine if she signed her children up for the trial. Right. So
0: I had been following the Pfizer adult data for a while. And then when they were enrolling for the 12 to 15 year olds, I asked my children who were 15 and 13, if they wanted to, I said, you know, this has come out. Are you guys interested? Do you want to, and here it's run by Cincinnati children's and thinking about it, children's hospitals really are, working to keep kids healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, financially, it actually makes more sense for them not to develop a vaccine for kids to get sick and be hospitalized and they make more money. But, you know, as pediatricians, we want to keep kids healthy. We want to keep them safe. So I talked to those two, my oldest two about it, and they said they want to do it. So for them, it was a vaccine versus placebo. So they got theirs in December. They got two shots in December, had no side effects. I just, I knew they had placebo because again, not a single side effect. So then when my 15 uh, year old turned 16, he got unblinded and um, it turned out he got placebo. And right on that same, uh, around the same time, they had called me and said, I know you have two younger siblings or two younger kids. They were eight and 10 at the time we're going to do dosing trials. And there's only like 13 people in this area that are going to be involved. Would you want to be involved in the dosing trial? So I asked my little two who were eight and 10. And I said, you know, this is available. You saw your brothers go through this. This is something that you would want to do or not. And even if you do it, if you change your mind at any time, you can change your mind. We don't have to do this. They both decided that they wanted to do it. They knew that they were going to get the COVID vaccine. They ended up getting the adult dose. Oh, wow. So we were hoping for some cool superpowers, but (laughs) no one's glowing in the dark. But my my 10-year-old had no side effects. Wow. so my, and I was like, well, yeah. he maybe had a little bit of a headache after the second dose, but he also got to stay home all day playing electronics. <laughs> well, I'm not 100% sure what that was, but I did report it. Um, and then my daughter, again, she had a fever um, after her second dose, um, which responded to some ibuprofen and then she was fine after that. But as a parent, you know, I we know because the other two got unblinded. And so come about June, our whole family has been vaccinated wow. since June. And knowing that, yeah, you can go to that birthday party. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you you can be around friends. We can start to do stuff. You can run cross country. You can play basketball. Yeah, let's go to that Maroon 5 concert. Like, let's, let's start to get our lives back. As a parent, knowing I've done everything that I could have to protect my kids, it, it, it's a huge relief. So what do
2: you say to our listeners who hear you and think, well, like, my friend's pediatrician said they probably don't really need to get it? What questions should we be taking ourselves through as we think about what's out there in the ether in terms of advice?
0: What's funny is that I actually don't know hardly any pediatricians who don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would
1: say if you But dang, a- that one gets some mad play, let me tell you. <laughs> Well, that, there may be a, an agenda to get in front of a camera or something. There, um, I don't know, but I, I will tell you.
0: I know lots and lots and lots of pediatricians, and we do vaccines. Like this is what mm-hmm. we do. No one. There, there are also two other new vaccines that are coming out this year. Have nothing to do with COVID. One is a, a replacement for a meningitis that we're already using, and one is a combined Hep B with Pentacel. And nobody wants to talk about those, right? <laughs> it's all about COVID. Like, but this, this is what we do. You know, two new ADHD medicines just came out. Mm. And and again, I look at that data, I look at the studies, I look at the safety, I look at the efficacy, I look at the insurance approval. Um, I look how much it's gonna cost because that's a big thing too. Um, So this is, as pediatricians, this is what we do. So for for this vaccine to come out and us to look at the the side effect profile, the efficacy, the safety, looking at that stuff, that's what we do. And we don't have many, many vaccines that we give that are 91% effective. I will say looking at that study, 91% effective, is is really high for a vaccine? To be honest with you, I don't know if that's going to hold or not because obviously the trials were done in the summer. Mm-hmm. But you know, flu shot, we feel like it, it, it's good if it's sixty four percent effective. That's a good flu year. And if this COVID vaccine ends up being anything like the flu vaccine, you know, when we give the flu shot, and I had a great example probably about two years ago or so, I had two siblings who had had their flu shot. One had had their flu shot. One hadn't. The mom just was busy and hadn't had time to get the other one in for their flu shot. They both got the flu. The one with the flu shot was skipping around the office. 102 fever looked like a rose. The other one who had not gotten their flu shot couldn't get up off the table. I almost had to send them to the emergency wow. room. So it's one of those that if the COVID holds like that and, you know, it prevents it some, but even if you get it, you don't end up in the hospital with it. You yeah. don't end up getting really sick. You don't end up with Miss c or long-haul COVID or any of the serious side effects that's a successful vaccine.
1: Well, and when we talk about kids being affected by COVID, I just look at it more comprehensive than that. I'm be honest with you, I'm not particularly worried about my kids being hospitalized or getting long COVID. I understand it's a risk. What I like is that they can, oh, I don't know, be exposed at school and not have to quarantine for two weeks. Like, that's the policy at our school. My middle schooler has been vaccinated since his birthday in May. He's been exposed and he has not missed any school because he's vaccinated. So he gets to continue coming to school, you know, and I think that I knowing that they're not bringing risk to their grandparents, to their great grandmother knowing that we can go to New York city and they can go to Broadway and they can do the things, you know, like I just, to me, it's like, let's be real comprehensive about what it means to be affected by COVID because they want, they need out of this doom loop like the rest of us. That's a great point.
0: And I think what the, the other thing that pediatricians are feeling a lot of now that isn't quite being talked about as much as the mental health mm-hmm. you know, I patients who have tried to kill themselves mm. since COVID because again, they're they, they, we've taken away school. We've taken away every activities that you have. We've taken away friends. We've, we've literally taken away everything. And so for kids to be back in school, there's such a huge difference in in our area where the private schools who did go to school full-time last year and the public schools who didn't, who were all virtual Um, and kids can't learn virtually. I don't know that I could learn virtually to be honest with you, but there definitely is something about the kids actually being in school and like you said, if they get exposed and they don't have symptoms, they can continue to be in school yep. versus if you're not vaccinated, then you're quarantined. Or there's a the test to stay, which is, you know, then the kids get something yeah. shoved up their nose every day, which and, and that's not really effective. That Those numbers aren't really effective, but at least they're in school. And then you get, you know, you get exposed again. Two weeks from now, yep. and then you have to do the same thing over and over and or over. Or you got again. a sick
1: kid, like an actual symptomatic sick kid, for ten days. Pass on that too, thank you. Or not even you have a sick kid, but as if your
0: kid has to quarantine, working parents, mm-hmm. we, have to, right, we have to take off work. Yep. Like like, I can't do my job virtually. God, and, and and honestly, what parent can really do a job virtually with a sick kid at home? That's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So um, just again, not the. People who aren't missing quarantine again, the kids who are actually in school and seeing their friends, those kinds of things, it makes a really big difference for kids. Yeah.
2: What do you say to families where the kids have had COVID and they're asking, yeah. do they still need the vaccine?
0: Yes, there's no question. All respiratory viruses, it's like it's like the flu. If you get the flu shot, you know, do you, if you get the flu, do you need to get your flu shot? Yes. There's many studies that have shown the best thing that to, to do not that you want to get covid but if you've had covid and get a booster that's going to be the most effective and most protected mm-hmm. that you can can be because again we know that having covid having natural immunity isn't going to last that long and isn't as protective as being vaccinated
1: it's like a diverse portfolio of immunity you know you want it right. in your lymph yeah. nodes you want it in your bone marrow you want it you want it all the places well and in different you know you say you got the alpha variant, you know,
0: now delta variant's coming around. And then I'm sure, you know, mu and zeta, you know, all of them are going to be coming down the road. The vaccine is the most broad spectrum
1: protection mm. that you can get. Like sunscreen. Got to have that broad yeah. spectrum. That's right. And how do you deal with the like real misinformation? Like what is the easiest for someone who's not a doctor, scientific way to explain this does not affect your DNA? Please and thank you.
0: Well, I think you know you just have to understand how science works, right? It doesn't. This vaccine never goes into the nucleus where the DNA is housed, so you 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 can't affect something that you're never inter- interacting with. I
1: heard it described as a one way street, and that helped me. I'm like, oh, okay, got it, got it. It's a one way street out of the it, nucleus. It, Things don't go back in.
0: Never goes into the nucleus. Yeah, mRNA and it only comes out of the nucleus, so it's almost impossible for something like that to happen, because that's just not how science works.
1: Since you are, uh, vaccines are, is what you do every day. Is there any other vaccine developments or research that you're really excited about? Specifically, I want an mRNA flu shot. Is that coming anytime soon? Actually, what I would really like is an RSV shot. Yes, that was my next question. That one, again, I
0: do think if they could develop that, that would prevent, lot again, quite a bit of sickness mm-hmm. and hospitalization.
1: And babies, the littlest of littles.
0: Yep. So that one, again, because RSV is the same way, nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Like, again, hopefully your body fights it off. If you get really, really sick and have breathing trouble, you have to go to the hospital. There's really nothing that we have against RSV that really works. So again, these respiratory viruses, they're just tough because they mutate quickly, So it would be nice if there was some kind of a vaccine for for RSV. That would be my favorite.
2: So you mentioned that with your family vaccinated, you're starting to live in the world again, happily. Where are you advising parents on masking post-vaccination?
0: Well, it would be nice if everyone masked all winter. That would be great um, because there was such a big difference with the kids wearing masks and also not in school last year. There was such a big difference. So, in here, the Diocese of Covington decided on Monday to go mask optional to let kids who want, well, you know, see if they wanted to wear masks or not. And now within a week, three different schools have had uh, COVID outbreaks mm-hmm. and they're now back in masks. Um, So I think for this respiratory season, I think it's reasonable to have people in masks until you can get all of the kids, school age kids vaccinated. I think again, until you can get the little, the littlest ones vaccinated too, this respiratory season, it's, it's going to make sense for people to wear masks while they're indoors. Obviously if they're outdoors, I wouldn't worry about it, but indoors I would now come again, April or so when. All respiratory viruses tend to go away, kind of exactly what happened with COVID is going to happen again. This is what happens with respiratory viruses. Come about April, May, it starts to get warm, people go outside. I don't know if those numbers start to drop, then hopefully we won't need math. Do
1: you mean like public spaces or social gatherings? Do you mean like indoor social gatherings? Like small?
0: I would say it depends on the size. Yeah. Again, I think if you're in in, in an indoor social gathering and it's smaller and you know most people have been vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, you've kind of done everything right. that you can to protect yourself. You know, at some point we are going to have to go back, go back to interacting socially. Again. <laughs> Much um, to some chagrin. Right. But so I do think, again, um, if you vaccinated and you know everybody else around you, so if you're talking about like Thanksgiving and Christmas and where people are smaller areas, that's going to be fine. Um, I still feel like if you're indoors, say if my daughter's going to be playing basketball, we'll go to a basketball game, but. I ain't sitting by anybody, <laughs> <thing. laughs> which I yell during games anyway. So no one's going to want to sit by me anyway. But, <laughs> um, you know, I do think having, kids, I think masks for right now, I think that's been proven that masks are, are, are better than non-masking for right now.
1: What are you telling the mothers and fathers and caregivers of the littles, of the five and under? Where are where are we at with those vaccines? What are you telling them to do in the meantime?
0: Well, I know that the dosing trials are underway for the two to four-year-olds. I know that they've settled on a dose, which is three micrograms, so that's five to 11-year-olds. So they know what dose they're going to use. And now it's just a matter of getting enough kids in the trials so that they can really Uh, Make sure, again, that it's safe and it's effective. The six-month to two-year-olds, we're we're a little bit away. I think, again, the the way that Pfizer's done it anyway, and I don't know about Moderna. I know a lot more about Pfizer than I do Moderna. I know that, again, so hopefully by the end of spring, I would love to see, again, the uh, two- to five-year-olds' data submitted and looking at that, make sure it's safe and effective and then get approved and then for the six months and under, I would love to have a vaccine by, by fall of next year before going into respiratory season again.
1: Well, and it's so interesting. So many of those babies are going to have immunity. I, all my pregnant friends are getting boosters because they are feeling really confident that will pass along to the newborn. It does. So that's what's interesting because um, I know quite a few pediatricians who were pregnant who
0: got the shot early on, who then tested, then delivered, tested themselves, tested the breast milk and tested the baby and um, antibodies positive in all three. That's so awesome. Well, the question is, and what you don't know, is how no. long is that immunity going to last for? Right. You know, so that's that's the real question. So I do think, again, respiratory seasons, if we could get it before next respiratory season, I would feel a lot more comfortable.
2: Well, Dr. Drupak, this has been super helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving us your time when we know that all of our healthcare professionals are doing their very best and hanging on by a thread. And we just, we really appreciate it.
0: If we can get through this respiratory season, again, pediatrics, we'll be all right. So come about uh, April or so. We better see you on
1: vacation come around that time.
0: But thank you for having me. Again, hopefully um, this has helped somebody out there to make up their mind one way or another. Um, I think as parents, we all do the best that we can, Mm -hmm. right? Like everyone's just doing the best that they can. And I think you have to look at it, a risk versus benefit Ratio. And, you know, if if you could die from, right, there's always death on the table. If you take anything and there's death on the table, probably whatever's going to be on the other side is going to be better. So I was talking to a parent about that. So hopefully people listen, they listen to the message. Again, almost every pediatrician that I know of that knows anything about vaccines is recommending it and giving it out at their office. So um, I think for your listeners, go talk to your pediatricians um, and, 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 get their opinion that that's who knows your kid the best and who, and who you have the best relationship. And with. I'm
1: really feeling hopeful for that. You know, we see in populations that have close interactions with sort of primary care physicians, higher vaccination rates because they have a trusted professional and most sure. parents have a pediatrician, even if they don't have their own primary care physician, they have a pediatrician. So I'm hoping that will lend to higher vaccination rates.
0: I saw a study that says that doctors, most uh, the doctors um, in general are about 96, 96% of, of physicians are vaccinated for COVID. And I think about that and I think, you know what, if I was in med school and I was taking a test and if 96% of people got a different answer than I got, I <laughs> think I would rethink my answer. Right? If the people who like, no, like that's their, their, their field, right. I took immunity, immunology in college and in med school. And so again, like if that's your field and you know that, well, like if, a, if 98% of dentists said something, I probably would listen to the dentist, you know, so it's those kinds of things that, um as healthcare professionals, this is what we do. Like physicians, we've been through med school, we've studied the immune system, we know how things work. So most everyone that I know has been recommending it. Well, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank You too. You, you
1: too. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Traditionally, the advice would be pick one, but thanks to third love, you can have both Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your bra problems solved. Visit ThirdLove.com and get fifteen dollars off your order with code Podcast Fifteen. That's code Podcast Fifteen.
3: I hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year. I was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head. Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of made my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with Pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good. Because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for the season that I have nice looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com pantsuit. So. Go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit.
4: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership
2: Thank you so much to Dr. Dropic for spending time with us. At a time when pediatricians do not have a lot of minutes, she talked to us while she was supposed to be eating lunch. Uh, It was a really generous act of service, and we hope that her comments were as valuable to you as they were to us.
4: Hi, everyone. It's Simeon here from the Studio D podcast production team. Before the next segment, I want to give a quick PSA. Sarah and Beth talk about Dune, as well as the latest installment of the Marvel franchise. And there are some spoilers. If you haven't seen either of these movies, this might be the point to pause the episode. If you have seen them, then this next segment is for you.
1: Sarah, what's on your mind outside of politics? Well, we've got two big new sci-fi films. We have The Eternals. We're entering a new phase of the Marvel Universe. And then we have Dune. You've seen both now, right? I have. And you've seen them both also. Yes. Okay. Which should we start with?
2: I think let's start with the Eternals. Because we've talked about Marvel a lot here on the show. So for those of you who don't know, we are both... Pretty committed to the Marvel universe. We dressed as Marvel characters for Halloween in both of our families. We've both seen all of the first phase. Not the first time I've dressed as Marvel characters in my Mm -hmm. family. It's like the third or fourth time. So we enjoyed these movies as a as a general matter. What did you think of the Eternals?
1: I thought it was boring. (laughs) I was very bored. I think it just becomes more apparent the more you watch like the people who can do this and do it well. And now y'all are gonna think that I've been kidnapped or my body has been taken over by some sort of alien presence because I'm about to say something really nice about Chris Pratt after being really mad at him a few weeks ago. I was reading something a really great BuzzFeed article put in the links about like of course people were gonna get mad at him it was coming all along. but they were just talking about like he carries blockbusters. he makes blockbusters engaging in a way that is you you just don't realize how hard it is to do until you see people do it badly. But, like, he can do the corny jokes and, and the slow parts of the movie, and he carries them well. Jurassic Park, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Lego movie. I think he's about to be in the Mario movie. Like, he does it, and he does it well, and I'm going to give him credit. So does Robert Downey Jr., right? Like, I am thrilled to have Florence Pugh in this universe because I think she does it way better than ScarJo, who I also think is a little boring. And so there were people in this in Eternals, in this new universe, who I thought— had that charisma and could do it marginally well. You know, Angelina Jolie is good at at being, I don't know, regal. Like, I thought she did a good job. I thought the guy playing Gilgamesh with her, they, they had good chemistry, they did it well. Unfortunately, I thought the two main Eternals, Cersei and Icarus, were so boring, had no chemistry, and I didn't even think their powers were fun. So I really struggled. With that part of the movie,
2: I don't disagree with anything that you've said. I walked into the Eternals with very low expectations, though, because I told myself this is going to be like a pilot episode. Mm. It's going to be an orientation movie. We're going to have to get to know lots of new people. We're going to have to kind of learn a new piece. But I of like how usually Marvel like that the part. Universe. And. I'm just going to have to roll with it. And it's a lot of people. Like, it's so many people. And it, I said to chat after we saw it, there were moments when I thought, I wonder, like, how many times the directions given were just... OK, everybody stand around and look important because it was a lot of the movie, just all of them standing somewhere, having some kind of expression on their faces. So I thought it was slow. I, I like the direction it's going. I think there's lots of room to work with. I really liked the character who used sign language. I thought she was the most engaging of the new characters who we met. I thought Angelina Jolie would do exactly what Chris Pratt does. And I think she played her part, well, I think her part sucks, like mm-hmm. it's not a good enough part for Angelina Jolie. You know what I mean. They really, yeah, she felt a little bigger than the role i agree i I think so i mean I, I now, maybe that won't always be the case, right so i'm what I like about the Marvel movies is how they all build on each other in isolation. Some of them are boring or dumb or obnoxious <laughs> but, but some putting of them it are which makes them great. so
1: much worse right like the standalone ones that are amazing and then you're just mad the next time you get to one that's like not that great you're yeah. like no you can do it this yeah. was great go get that person back yeah because i like the intro stuff like i like learning people's new power I'm about to speak to that in dune but like i like the setups and i like that they're like i love the idea that they are These sort of, like, they're all named after these cultural gods and, like, how they fit. I think all that is cool. And there were people who were doing way more than they should. I mean, the man who played the valet was stealing every damn scene he was in. Mm -hmm. He was carrying that movie on his back along with all that camera equipment. Give him a movie. He was great. He was great. Yeah.
2: It's not their best work. Not their best work. I hope good things come of it. That's what I have to say about The Eternals. But I view every Marvel movie as an investment just i'm just staying in the universe i'm going with the story it just feels like we have to we have to see it they make us suffer
1: sometimes for payoff later
2: so what do you think of dune
1: i love dune i really like dune i was thrilled to be somewhere that was not star wars or marvel i was thrilled to be in a completely new place you know i love i love so many people in this movie I love Oscar Isaac. I was thrilled to get to see him naked. I love, I love Timothée. I love him. I think him is the sweetest and the best. And I love him. Obviously, Jason Malmoa. What a delight. I even liked him clean shaven. And we all know how dedicated I am to facial hair. I just loved it. I loved it. And I, in particular, loved The Witch Mom. I'm here for The Witch Mom. I want way, way, way more of The Witch Mom. I liked her a whole lot.
2: I like this movie, too. I also viewed this as an orientation movie because my teeny, tiny understanding of Dune. And listen, some of you all are going to be like, you're supposed to research everything. We don't research our pop culture takes. We just no. don't. We have to have something that's a little bit of a no break. Way. So, I know there were sandworms. That's teeny, all I tiny understanding of Dune is that it has been viewed as this impossible text to turn into a movie or a mini series that it's been tried it has not gone well it is extremely complicated And so I understood going in that I would probably be lost in a lot of this movie and that there was a lot, there was going to be a steep learning curve for me to enjoy this universe. But I thought they brought us in, those of us who are uninitiated, I thought they brought Mm -mm. us in really, really well. I am with you on the witch mom, the, is it Bene Gesserit or whatever? I I want to know everything about these women and how they Mm -hmm. control their reproduction and all these things. I think that's fascinating. I thought it was visually stunning. Dude,
1: yeah, so pretty.
2: And I thought that it also laid a foundation for so many themes that could go in so many directions. And I also kind of appreciated how right from the outset no one was particularly good or awful.
1: Yeah. It, it was I did there were was power actually, dynamics, but but there wasn't like my, this sweeping
2: heroism.
1: That is my only critique. I did not like that the bad guy Duke survived the, oh, spoiler alert, P.S. I did not like that that big bad guy survived. I was like, that's lame. I don't like that. I don't like it when the bad guy seems indestructible. I find that boring. It's not my jam. Like, that's why I loved Game of Thrones so much, because they were like, ain't nobody safe. And I really like that. I think there's like, there's a real exhilaration when you feel like nobody's safe. So that was my only like, ooh, boo. (laughs) Otherwise, I really liked it.
2: But he survived without a lot of support. And yeah, they were they were clearly aggressive and bad. I guess they were kind of the villainous
1: group. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I kinda like this.
2: But with everybody else, I felt even with Timothy, I felt like a healthy amount of complexity around how they were going to handle the challenges and opportunities in front of them. And I liked that.
1: Yeah. No, I liked it. I will be first in line for the next one when it comes out. I think we're only getting one other one, though. I didn't feel like it's supposed to be like a big series. I felt like, man, we got a lot of places to go in one other movie. I
2: guess it depends maybe they'll... on how it performs. <laughs>
1: right. Maybe they'll stretch it out if it does. No, but I liked it. I liked it a lot.
2: Well, thank you all so much for joining us for today's episode of Pantsuit Politics. You may have heard that we have a new book coming out in the spring. We are really excited to share that book with you. It's called Now What? It is actually available now for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other places. But we don't want you to forget about our first book. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. It makes a great holiday gift. If you have already read it, it would mean a lot to us if you left a review on Amazon. Even one sentence makes a difference. And please do share this episode if it was valuable to you. We'll be back in your ears on Tuesday. Until then, have the best weekend available to you. Dance Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our Managing Director.
1: Megan Hart and Maggie Pinton are our Community Engagement Managers. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported.
2: Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky.
0: Linda Daniel.
2: Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany
1: Hassler. Emily Holiday, Katie Johnson.
2: Katina Zuganellis Kasling.
1: Barry Kaufman.
2: Molly Coors. The Creeps. Lori Ladau. Lily McClure.
4: David McWilliams. Jared
1: Minson.
2: Emily Neasley.
1: Danny Osmond. The
3: Hudson's. Tawny Peterson. Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers.
0: Karen True. Annika Uvaline. Nick and Elisa Valelli.
2: Amy Whited. Melinda Johnston. Ashley Thompson. Michelle Wood, Joshua Allen, Morgan McHugh, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.